Going on, DJ Nation. Ken and Kim here bringing you another Fantasy Golf Degenerates podcast this week for the Sandless and Farms Championship. As usual, I am here with my favorite Canadian, Tyler Tambaline. Tyler, what is up, my friend? Did you take down another GPP? <laughs> I'm only your favorite Canadian now, not everybody's. This is a bad start to our season. <laughs> I'll earn their hearts back, Kenny. I'll earn it back. I did not take down any. Oh, I guess Thursday night I took down a showdown GPP, 17 are- today. Got a king Did of the you beach. You win a king of, that king of the beach too. Hey, I got a, I got a few things. They were good. Yeah. Uh, nothing in golf though. Nothing in Ryder Cup. So waiting mm-hmm. to see on that. We'll talk about Sanderson Farms this week. Obviously, we'll get right into it with everything. We're going to talk all things Ryder Cup. Some afterthoughts, things there. But before we get into it, want to remind everyone very quickly: this show is brought to you and presented by our new sponsor, ShipItNation.com. You can go over to there now. I changed it up since last week. The code's even better now. So code Mayo M A Y O gets you ten percent off. Any of the monthly plans, monthly, six-month, annual, everything, so you guys can get 10% off anything you want to try over at ShipItNation.com. Just not the five-day trial. It's only 19 bucks. You want to give us a shot? Do it. It's cheap, but the best way to go is the other way so that you get access to the Discord projections, ownership, tools, rankings, player pools, exposures. We got PGA back, so we'll have showdown coverage, rounds two through four, all of that. NFL, NBA, MLB, PGA, MMA, and NHL is just around the corner. And then lastly... Free NFL DFS course included four hours. Hoopster and myself breaking down everything for you guys when it comes to roster construction, live finals, qualifiers, satellites, showdown, all the important DFS games. Learn to be a better player. Pay less for content. Play more DFS contests. Shipadation.com. Promo code Mayo. So I actually had a decent week uh, other than the outcome. We'll talk about the outcome here. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about how we did. So I was, I had the eighth highest scoring lineup, uh, in the, in the $5 drive, the green finishing 40th place, uh, because of all the dudes was still, I had like the eighth and 16th highest lineups, uh, you know, in, in, in there. So a pretty good week. It didn't win my money back because you know, it's the $5. The uh, the way the payout structure is, it really sucks. But I just want to win the big one once. Uh, so that's that basically all I'm doing for that one. Uh, hit the uh, hit the uh, Mary, hit the Euro plus one fifty. Uh, that was for like fourteen units itself. Uh, and then I hit the whole lump, uh, top American. So financially, it's a great week. Uh, you know, betting wise, it's been really strong. Since the FedEx Cup playoffs, I have either hit the outright or in each way in four of the last five events. Uh, so we're catching a little steam uh, heading into this fall set fall swing, and I've crushed it in the fall before. Like I had one fall where I hit like five of the first seven winners. Uh, so you know, hopefully, it's something like that happens again. Uh, Tambo, of course, had the success in uh, the NFL. Which he normally does. Go check his shit out. He's one of the go. He's one of the goats uh, out there. But let's go ahead and talk about uh, the Ryder Cup uh, a little bit. Let's not talk about the captaincy. We know it's shitty. Let's not talk about you know the if this player was in, if that player was in. Let's talk about what specifically happened uh, those three days. First thing I'm going to bring up is Friday afternoon. Um, if you watch the coverage. Uh, Friday p.m., the United States were winning in their first three matches, each of them with about five holes left. They were two up in all three of those matches. Yes, they got swept in the morning. That is the uh, Europeans' forte, the forces. That's their shit. Alternate shot, they're better at that, that than that than us. Uh, they're more prepared. Uh, they don't have to have the buddy system. Like Justin Rose uh, had a little dig uh, on the team right there. Like, we know that the best pairings aren't pairing with your best mate. That makes a lot of sense. Um, so they got crushed uh, in that one. So there's really nothing to talk about about those four, except maybe not bringing out Kepka or or JT or somebody else. But let's talk about that afternoon session. That afternoon session, that 45 minutes to an hour time cost the United States uh, the Ryder Cup. Uh, and it was such... It's not like the United States was playing bad. Like, people were giving JT shit, right? 
for his play. And he didn't play the best, but he won a singles match. And that half point he got um, in that Friday PM match was basically all him. Jordan Spieth was out of the hole in seven of the nine holes in the back nine. It was JT by himself against Hovland and freaking Oberg. And yes, that's his name now. Uh, Ludwig Oberg. We've all been pronouncing it wrong for years. So, so Ludwig Oberg. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, tough matchup. He goes out there. You know, they give up a couple at the end. And then Hovland makes that freaking 25-footer. Like, what are you supposed to do about that, right? And you're like, okay, that can only happen. Like, And then JT made the little seven-footer on top to tie. That was big, okay? And then um, next one was, I think it was the uh, the Rose match, right? I, 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 it might have been against Homa. I don't remember. But, like, you know, they get it to tie... Uh, they get it. They get the United States is a one-up lead going into 18, and Rose just makes this 20-footer just with ease, right? I mean, like Jesus, like it just seems so simple for these guys. And then Rom has to make eagle on 18 to get the tie. He makes this 35-footer like up a hill, triple breaker, hits the back of the cup, bounces a foot in the air, and goes straight in the hole. I would like to call it all luck <laughs> for, for these guys, but the Euros just do this year in and year out. They make the clutch putts when it matters most. Uh, you know, and, and it's just I like I was thinking about it because the next day on Friday, what we saw in that afternoon session was some of the wildest shit I ever had seen on the golf course, first off. But 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 that Kenley match. You know, uh, on Friday afternoon, where Kenley birdied the last three, and the United States is getting their ass whooped, right? But this is how much I love the Ryder Cup. Like, Kenley was getting his ass whooped, but he birdies the last three. And, like, on that 18th hole, he needs to birdie to win. Um, and my heart is, like, just beating out of my chest. Like, I, I, we are getting fucking crushed. And my heart is still beating out of my chest. And when he made that putt, like, the roar that I, like, Yelled out and yeah, you know, I woke up the neighbors and shit. Like, I was super pumped. I can't imagine being a Euro fan and just see the day before and watching all those putts go in. Like, that has to be like one of the greatest feelings of a fan that you can have. Like, like miraculous shot after miraculous shot after miraculous shot. The United States weren't giving it up at that point in time. You know, I mean, they were playing well. Uh, it, it, in that four ball in that four ball session, uh, uh, and and just to just to make those putts, I mean that demoralized the United States, that crushed them until we saw Kent, um, and Cantlay and what he did on Friday. I mean that guy is a serial killer. Like my love of Patrick Reed has come from the Ryder Cup, the the shush moment, you know, like against Rory. That was one of my all time favorite moments in golf history, right? Uh, and that's how I became truly a fan uh, of Patrick Reed because Ryder Cup means so much to me. And so what Cantley did, and everyone was hating on him the whole time because of the hat thing, right? Uh, because he said he wants to make money. Now, here's the thing about that story I, 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 I'll, I'll say. The, the thing about Cantley wanting to get paid for the Ryder Cup supposedly has been floating around for years. Everyone behind the scenes, everyone knows that that's the way he's he has felt uh, about the Ryder Cup, okay? And so what Jamie Weir did, in my opinion, what I think he did, was use that factual information to make a bullshit story. Uh, that's what I feel like. Yes, it's factual that, that Cantley wants to be paid. Did he bring it up at all during the Ryder Cup? No. Did he, uh, did, did, uh, did he talk about it behind the scenes? I don't know, but I doubt it. You know, I mean, this was information that had been known for a while that Jamie used to make an article to bring controversy to the cup and have the United States lose a little bit of focus because you saw Jamie and Rory celebrating together uh, after the Ryder Cup ended. Um, that's my take on that story, that, that he put planted a false story using factual information that people have already known from in the past. Um 
Now, anyways, we, we get on to it. Um, let's talk about Cholakava. <laughs> okay, first off, Cholakava, Hall of Fame candidate. Won Masters with Freddie. I think he won the, uh, a major with DL3, right? Uh, he won a major with Tiger, right? He's been with Dustin Johnson. He's been with Justin Leonard. He's been a caddy since 1989 on the PGA Tour. Been through a whole bunch of Ryder Cups. What he did was out of line. Obviously, it was out of line. Okay? Talking shit to a golfer while they're playing the event. That's from a caddy is insane to me. And I think that's what must have happened. Like, he went temporarily insane. Like, because the crowd was getting to him all day. Him and Ken, they about the whole hat shit. And it bothered the fuck out of him. And to try and back up his player, he literally went temporarily insane for like a split second. That's all I can think. And I hope people don't judge him based on this situation. Because prior to this, the guy has been a Hall of Famer, right? He, something just snapped in his head and he went crazy. What'd you think about the first two days, Tampa? Go ahead. Well, I want to start on that one working backwards because we all saw it. And when the last video came out, it was very clear that like, okay, Roy almost bumped into the dude trying to go line up his putt. So I understand that. And then him walking his ass back and being like, what What do you say, Rory? Like giving him the old hand wave and shit. Like, that's where it was like, okay. It was wild, bro. That's, wild. that's a little bit much. He stepped out of line. Sure. But what I will say also in that view, if you go back and watch, I, I two things. Again, I can only be the guy on the other side of it. Devil's advocate. One. Matt Fitzpatrick's caddy. I forget his name. He's that. He's a great dude to himself. Anyway, Bobby Fisher, not Bobby Fisher. You know who he is. I know. I know who you're talking about. So anyway, he's giving Cantlay props. They slapped hands. Even the other opposing guy, caddy, gives him props because he's playing in the. He's there. It's Fitz and Rory, obviously. And Rory's pissed off. Like Rory just like it was supposed to be an easy close, and it's not. And Rory's coming over, and it looks like doesn't make this right for Joey. But it looks like Rory said some shit. Like, Rory might have said, I don't know how disrespectful he could be, but Rory might have said, like, buddy, you're a caddy. Like, get out of the way. Like, or caddy's over there. Or, he wouldn't be that disrespectful, probably. But it was like he's, he must have said something. Joe just doesn't snap like that. Joe walked him back to his line. And what was, happens like, in that shit. situation? What happens in that situation is what Keegan did when Miguel was talking to yes. shit to Keegan's caddy. The player should step in if something was really. Badly and said. there is one view from the other angle where you see Patrick Cantlay giving the old look over, like, what's going down here? And, and that's when, if you watch on the other view, when it, I put too much time into this because my favorite <laughs> thing ever. You're going crazy. Your so Patty Reed is this. My Patty Cantlay is the fucking hat tip when there's no hat to let him know. That is the absolute best of all time. I posted it out as soon as I saw it. I was like, the swagger of that. But anyway, I love the one view, he stares down at Rory, like, you talking to my caddy? To yeah. see, but then he keeps going. And when you watch it from the zoomed out view and behind, he walks behind them. You see the stare at Rory. He walks over to, um, who's he with at this time? I'm trying to think who he's with. Cantley was this, with. I forget. All yeah, I, I forget. But anyway, he walks over to him to give props to his caddy. And then give, and then um, Fitzpatrick's caddy steps in, gives him props. All that's still going on. And it was like Rory was rushing to his putt. The celebration, the hats are still being swung. As it said, so all I'm saying is a devil's advocate. I still think it was wrong. Joey was still going as everybody else was still going. The other caddies giving props. The hats are still being flung around by the U.S. team. And Rory looks like he said something to him like, go over there. I'm doing Mike Day. And that's fair. It's you're up. You're up for the big pot. I get it. But it, who knows what it was or how it was perceived as disrespect. I highly doubt it was like a get the fuck out of my way, Joey, or something. It's not like what Rory yeah. would do. No. But I'm saying it pissed Joey off enough to walk him back and say, like, what do you say to me like this? Like, you got to respect me too type thing and walk away. I don't know. It was pretty crazy. The that story has scene. to come out. Because, uh, because like, from what, what like, a lot of caddies were saying, like, if you follow Michael Collins or Kip Enley or something like that, uh, what they were saying was, Rory must have said something. It looked like, like there, there has to have been something because there's no way Joe would have done something like that. And we haven't heard a side of the story because CJ told him to shut up. And one more thing about that that you just said that makes it seem more realistic. Why I'm playing devil's advocate. I still think in the wrong on how he reacted and kept it going. Yes, go back, let it play out. But 
he was still fired up enough to walk up on Shane Lowry, even pump the pump the brakes on him. So like, I don't want none, man. Like, Damn, like do you see the yo, double Joe's a big that? Boy. Lowry was like, no, thank you, man. Like, Joe's a big chill. boy. And yeah. and big Shane, yeah. And not like they're gonna fight or something. I'm not saying that's golf. It's God, right. no, the amazing. tensions are high. But <laughs> it, honestly, for again, for Joe to keep going with it, it had like it seems like someone said and that picture is so funny too because Rory's behind him going like, oh shit. And Tommy Fleetwood's eyes are closed, like eyes are rolling into the back of his head, like, oh, here we go. And I don't know, man, if Rory to still be going on about it later, though, in the parking lot and who knows? Well, because he lost. He lost. You're going to be pissed. He wasn't uh, mad the next day when he was doing his little elf dance in the boss yeah. of the trophy saying, da, 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 America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it, man. He, he just lost the match he thought he should have won. Yeah. It's high emotions. He's still angry about that. That's fine. You know, I hate Rory's ass. But that was fine with me. It made him, I mean, it sort of made him look like a little bitch. Uh, I will say that. It was. But, but, like, I can look past that because, you know, it's it's the tension and, and the emotions that you get in the Ryder Cup. It, it, it's what happens. Max uh, Oma, so incredible, by the way. I meant to say that. Max Roma, whoever came up with that nickname, I like that one. It was He was He's just been dominant in this forum so far. Again, sample size is so small. President's Cup, Ryder Cup, I get it. But he's played well, and it's looked good on him. He has that fire. That's what I like about him. He has that fire. And you talked about it on Twitter, I think, the other day. JT is brought for that reason. Whoever said this one, it might have been Andy Lack or somebody said, I thought it was a good point as well, was like, the problem, I know we're not going to spend time on this, but the problem with bringing the JT pick wasn't about his player, what he did. Maybe it was even you chiming in. Other people I did say this. I it, said this, yes. He ends up getting to play. A bunch times. more now because of it, and Spieth has been bad, and it just has not looked good. And man, it's just crippling down the stretch. I don't know about that Zach Johnson thing, but I think it was pretty clear. ZJ just said like, it's okay to lay up here. No one has a good second shot from that, and then Spieth clubs down and puts it in the water. To me, it was an offline shot more than that. ZJ made enough bad decisions, like some. So I just thought were very questionable, if you will. But we don't have to talk about that. Everyone saw it. It looked bad. Whatever. In the end. Crazy shots were made, Kenny, like you said, it on both sides. I love that. No, like, on the Euro maybe side. it just got amplified because it was a Ryder Cup, but there was a lot of shots. You're like, holy shit, this hole out, that big yeah. pot, that You can't ask for more of a yeah. Ryder Cup. And, and my was, last thing, was, and I'll kick it back to you, is last thing, the Europeans, this, they're just like the singles thing, man, is such a problem for them that it's almost like they needed that lead. Because, yeah. man, once it gets the singles, there was, a, I think it was... Um, it was close at the end. Picks, our guy Joe was on Twitter. Our guy, Joe, was on Twitter talking about this with others, and they were saying, like, what do you want them to do? Like, there's no real way to set this up better. They, you, If they put out rookies first for the European side to get dusted to save some points for the back end to, to lock it down, well, then the, the comments are going to be, you put out rookies out of the gate to already put the momentum against you? You have to put, in my opinion, the big dogs out first and let them do what they're supposed to do. The challenge is if they don't, it is getting really, really tricky down the back end stretch of some of those guys the European team has left behind. So it was lucky, not lucky, but like good that they had that lead that they did because it was crazy that you kind of thought there was some moments and then you go back to like what you said, if just this, then that on the original matches, man, it wouldn't have been, it would have been a lot closer. So yeah, re really good event. Always a fun time. We got to get out to President's Cup next year for sure. Oh, uh, we're going. I'm going to yeah. Beth Page too. I'm going to go to both. Uh, Beth Page is what I'm going to go to both. But, oh, talking about Homer, the, 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 the call Homer's caddy made on 18 was one of the ballsiest calls I've ever seen in my life, right? Uh, on that singles match, Homer misses the ball on 18 to the right. He's one up. He needs this full point. A half point would win it uh, for the Europeans right there. And he, you know, he pushes his his second shot in that par five. It goes in the long grass right next to the bunker instead of going into the bunker. Bad luck. And the way the ball was sitting, they said, you know, he easily could have whiffed the shot, right? And so his caddy tells him, taking him playable. Like, if you're the golfer in that situation, you realize you have to tie this hole. And your caddy tells you, take the unplayable. Like, how many golfers would be like, okay. Like, the trust that they must have with each other is pretty fucking incredible. What Joe told him was, not Lakava, but 
Max's caddy, Joe, I forget his last name. He tells him, take the unplayable, get it within 10 feet, make the putt. We got this. And that's exactly what he did. It was so fucking sick. Oh my God, it was so sick. Uh, Homa was unbelievable. Uh, Homa and Canley are my new favorite golfers right now. You know, it takes a couple of years. It takes some Ryder Cups for me to change. Reed's gone. Bryson's gone. DJ's gone. I've basically been left with no favorites, you know, uh, when it comes down to it. And so now it's Canley and it's Homa. I don't care if people hate them. That makes me like them even more. Uh, let's talk about another thing about Sunday singles. That ROM match against Scheffler was a beautiful match. Unbelievable. Great golf. Played by both Scheffler and Rom uh, in that. But for Rom, get that, that half point, right? That set the tone. If the United States had, got that full point, I mean, you know, if Ricky ties, that's just 14 all. And then, uh, you know, uh, Wyndham Clark ended up losing, but he was one down when the cup was clinched. Yeah, Wyndham so opposite just, of Homa, by the way. Yeah, he just gave up. He was like, well, fuck it, we can't win, fuck it. I don't but I think, I think all week, though, like, I, did, I just didn't see anything from him. But I didn't like what you I You know saw. what? He played pretty good the first two days, except for 18. For the, for the crucial shots, I'm saying when it came That's why tired. people are saying he played bad. Yeah, I'm not going to say he played bad, and he earned his spot there by all means. I'm just saying it's like that. It was clear, like, sometimes the nerves get to some people, and sometimes they don't, or sometimes it's a small sample. It's all just bad luck. But uh, what's funny is DJ at the Ryder Cup, there's that clip of him when he's all drunk, and and Brooks is behind him at the previous Ryder Cup. He said, what set the tone for today was when Scotty went out and beat John Rahm. Remember they played that singles match? And funny enough, this time it was Rahm going out half point, setting the tone for what was needed. Like I said, it was, it ended up being a lot closer than it probably would have been or had to be, but it could have been the Americans if it had to went the other way in the first couple of days. But because we have to talk Sanderson eventually, I still do want to talk two small things because you want to talk about this pre-show. I got an email earlier this week, Joe Pompliano, the subject line, the writer, how the Ryder cup became a $500 million business. And you talked about Patrick Cantlay yeah, and you went into it on Twitter today with a lot of people, or X, whatever you want to call it these days, about this. And I actually thought it's pretty interesting. It's I think people, it's a topic, it's a talking point. Yeah. If the Cantlay stuff is true, which it very likely is, and like you said, yeah. Jamie may have Jamie Weir that is on on there may have fabricated it to the per, launch it at the perfect timing to get the most amount of views, to yeah. rattle them up, to make some noise. The really, fact I that Cantlay wants to get paid for it. Half no. thing was amazing. Go ahead. Yeah, the way the way the Cantlay wanting to get paid. For the Ryder Cup, has been known, supposedly, for a while, for multiple Ryder Cups he's been played. Okay? And and so, like I said, what I think is Jamie used that fact to slide it into an unfactual story about the team chemistry being off because of that. Um, I highly doubt that because everyone on the fucking American team is greedy as fuck. And I got no problem with that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I got no problem with that. That's the thing. When it comes to athletes and money, do why are athletes set at a higher standard than the normal person? Okay, like Elaborate. the Ryder Cup. The Ryder Cup is a five hundred five hundred million dollar thing that they make every two years. Okay, if I if I work at a at a company and I do not think that I am getting paid enough. You would think you'd go up to somebody and tell them, I think I need more money, right? I work hard. I do my job well. I come in on time. I do everything the company asks. I think we. I think I need some more money, okay? If they say no, you move to another company, right? That can pay you what you think you're worth. When it comes to golfers before this past year, everybody knew that the PGA had a boatload of money. And it was not being fairly compensated uh, to the players. This is facts. We know this now, right? We know this Mm -hmm. uh, because of the amount of money they spent this past year uh, on purses and stuff to keep people from going to live. They had that money before, but they, they didn't spread the wealth. And that's why people left, right? And so, you know, so 
right away, these golfers do not trust the people that they work for, right? There is a lack of trust there. Normal date for a, a small person like me and you working for a big time company, there can be lack of trust from the people up top. Uh, the, uh, you know, that that's a normal, normal thing, right? And so when an athlete says he thinks he should make more money, the number one thing that most people say is, well, you're making $3 million a year. Well, you're already making $10 million a year. Who the fuck cares how much they're making? Are they earning what they should be earning based on what the company that they work for is making? That's fair. Doesn't matter how much money that is. It just needs to be fair. And, 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 and the thing about the PG of America, which hosts the Ryder Cup, and this is what Xander had a problem with. Yeah. They don't open their books. They don't show where all this money is going. Yes, every player on the United States gets $200,000 to send to their favorite charity that makes the team. Okay? What, what Xander's problem was, show me the books. If that $200,000 is a legit amount of money, Compared to how much you guys are making, okay, I'll have no problem. I got no problem with that. But show me. I don't trust you. Show me. What the fuck is wrong with that? Like, like, like I don't understand the hate for that. Like, just because people make millions of dollars, why do people just decide that, well, their point of view should be uh, different than our point of view? Because I'm a, I am not a rich man. Like, I want to make as much money as possible. I want to be paid what I am worth compared to what my company is making. That is normal, human, everyday type shit. Right? Why is it different for athletes? Why do you think it's different for athletes? Tampa. Yeah, no, you said a, a couple of points there. I mean, just one to know real quick, because this is what the email said, but like, the other thing is it's all public knowledge, like the 15-year, $440 million deal with NBC. Not the PG America books you talk about, but knowing how much money's coming into this thing. Roughly 150,000 people will attend the event, paying between $53 and $1,500 per ticket, and that's on the primary market, two to ten times that on the secondary market. There's the Champions Pavilion, 528 a ticket. Founders Lounge, 1328. These are all things coming in. And then you have all these major sponsors with companies like Rolex, BMW, Hilton, Pepsi, UPS, Ralph Lauren, all these other companies. So then it says, and this is from the Joe Pompliano uh, email, and he's, he's quoting it all saying this is why it's known information. They don't receive cash. They do get the $200,000 to their charity that you said and 50% going, 50% to a charity of their choice, 50% going to the Boys and Girls Club of America, the Drive Chipper Putt Championship, and the PGA Junior League, but they get like 20 complimentary tickets and things like that. So to your point, what you said, I think is twofold. If you go to your boss and say, I work my ass off, I do this, I do that, in most cases, not rude to you, just in most cases to the general public, they'll say, no problem, we have people lined up out the door that will come in and do your job for your money. Doesn't make it right. I'm just saying that's more of a possibility. Patrick Cantlay can be replaced by Keegan Bradley, the guy that said instead of 10 or $50 million, he'd rather be on the Ryder Cup team. Okay, maybe that swap will work. But what happens when the other 11 guys say we're with Patrick and it becomes a thing because they say, we know what you're making. We know what you're worth. We're paid this for everything else we do. And we've already say, oh, no, you just got to play for your country. You just got to yeah. play for your country. Yeah. Well, if you want people to play for their country, you're going to get this team instead. And then what do you think those ratings look like when NBC's got a $440 million deal on the table over 15 years? No, no, no. We want those guys. Well, those guys want money. Well, then you guys figure it out and give it to them because we gave you the money. Let's get this solved where we can do this and they work other thing in the back end. My point more so being the reason athletes are, they're held at a different standard because people just see the money and say, oh, it's just this big number. They're already set for life. But you don't get to decide what's enough. For them. Okay. You don't Who get to decide. decide. Yeah, exactly. If you go do something to someone, if you whatever your job is, I don't care if you're a plumber, a painter, any trade person is better to explain it with probably because trades is usually a labor that goes with the job, materials, etc. You don't just just because you had a good year in your business, in your trades business, you don't take on two more big jobs 
for free just because there's somebody. I mean, you may take on some certain jobs for exposure. These guys have exposure. This is a, a privilege. I get it. Not everyone's going to love these takes. I'm just saying, right. athletes. No, we're going to be. Paid. We're going to get crushed for this. For sure. But I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not a, I'm not, I understand where the other side is coming from on it. I'm just saying when you own that business, back to my analogy, you oftentimes won't take on this huge job just as an added privilege. You'd say you'd want to get paid for that job because that job is doing, you're, it's requiring stuff and from the thing you. Is, is it's not even like Xander wanted money for himself. Yeah. He wanted to make sure that $200,000 charity was uh, enough. Yeah. Right? That's show what I support. Show me how much you're making. If it should be five hundred thousand a charity, make it fucking five hundred thousand a charity, and, and he's that's going what on we that deserve because it's on that angle. I think where the other side is against it, like whatever we're saying right now, just takes. But I'm saying like the other side saying, okay, but Cantlay's the greedy piece of shit. Okay, that's fine if that's your opinion. That, but I'm saying he can he just is. say I won't go, and he can get replaced. But if he's he's entitled to have that opinion and say he wants to get paid for the event that requires him and others to be at it, to be the event. It, it needs to still be, there's a, it's Americans versus the world, but in the sense, in the, the Euros, but in the sense of you still want, they want the best of the best there. And it's up to him if he says that, if not, he can just go get replaced. Sure. But they didn't enforce it. So if he just wants to not wear the hat, that's on him. But I'm saying in the long term, what you're also arguing is you're telling Cantley to go take a hike, forgetting that others could join him on the journey and say, we're with Patrick now. And then Basically, what do you like what say when the Ryder Cup is starting at Keegan Bradley and back from there because the other guys don't get paid or don't want to show up? Hey, it worked in the PGA. After Liv, what happened? The pocketbooks opened up. They just didn't want him to. The other thing is that's why you can't even hate on the guy. He just saw this method work. He just said, this works. Tell him, you, we know you've got money. Give it to us. Well, the PGA Tour opened up its books and gave them that money. Why wouldn't they hear? Maybe they will. We'll see what happens in the future. But I just guess you can't hate on them for trying it based on that. Now, now, would everything be better if everybody thought the way the Euros did and they did this just because they feel like it's a privilege? Yes. that That is the best way to think about the Ryder Cup. Is that realistic for everyone that plays in the Ryder Cup to think that way? Fuck no. Fuck no. That's not how everyone's going to think about the Ryder Cup. You know what I'm saying? I mean, like, people had a myopic fan-based view on athletes. And, and I don't get why athletes are held to a different standard than normal fucking people. Why? Just because they make more money than you? A lot of fucking people make more money than us. Like, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, Also, they didn't just get the job, Kenny. They had yeah, to wake they up. They earned and, it. You know what I mean? You you had to start when you were three years old, two years old, whatever it might they be. They have been working their ass off for yeah. decades to get where the fuck they are. Yeah. For decades. But I understand where it comes from and where it stems from on both sides, really. I do. I'm just saying I always try to think about the grand picture, like what that could mean mm. and where people are coming from and seeing it from both sides. You could like, say Cantlay's a green piece this, like, You can see where like, he's coming un from, too. Unrealistic, idealistic view like of how people should react in these type, how athletes should react in these situations. It's a fucking job, right? They want some people they want to get paid for their job. I cannot hate on that. Would I rather them go and play this event for the love of country? Yes. Would would the United States probably play better if they thought this way? Yes. But do I blame people for trying to make the best of their lives possible? No. Yeah. I mean, it's that fucking simple. Yes, all these greedy fucks. Yes, they're fucking greedy. So what? I, I, you know what I'm saying? They have worked their fucking asses off for decades, hours, 10, 50, 80-hour weeks practicing this game to get where the fuck they are. They deserve to be greedy. When you work hard enough to be like that, you should be able to reap the rewards as much as you deserve to be made. I don't give a fuck. It's a Ryder Cup, President's Cup, or whatever. If that's the way they feel, I cannot go against them. And he still not showed up. Antley still showed up. their lives. Yeah, he they still played. They need that fucking money. I don't know. I'm not going to judge them for that shit. Right? Yeah. If they want to... And it doesn't make any sense to me. Well, that's what I said. He still showed up. 
He chose not to wear the hat. It's fine. And he played his ass off. Yeah. And the other thing, too, like, the people say this about the Euro side, like, Rory and Rom are just never going to give a shit about the money they have. They have the most of it all of anybody out there. Like, Rom was saying when Liv was around, he's like, they'd have to offer me, like, $500 million to consider it. Because it's, like, the, the sense of it's just, they already have that. That's... Well, that's because that was passed down from legendary European players in the past. Yeah. That's what they different did. Tone. They passed down those Sevies, you know, all those guys. And think about fucking Sevies. If you remember... Everybody hated his ass when he played in the Ryder Cup. Just remember, he accused multiple people of cheating when they didn't cheat. Those random shit. Just talking about Seve here. Okay? Uh, I mean, that shit has happened. Uh, but, oh, the passion for the game. Which is true. I get it. It makes sense. But it's not like that guy was a fucking angel. Right? Now, when it comes down to it, and... And then what those guys did, the Sevies, the Faldos, the Woosnums, the Colin Montgomery's, those guys brought it down to the younger generation that this is our biggest event. This is what we play for. This is how we have our pride. And that's how that team has been playing and, and their thought process for 35 years now. The thought process for America is completely different. Completely different because the leaders of that team were Tiger and Phil, right? They didn't give a fuck about the Ryder Cup, all right, until they got older. They, Tiger didn't even want to play. Uh, he just felt obligated to play. He didn't want people knowing how he was, like, in private. Like, he wanted to keep that shit a mystery. He wanted that aura around him uh, of where they made people scared of him, right? And, you know, that showed when he played the Ryder Cup. I mean, they were dog shit the majority of the time Tiger played on the Ryder Cup team. They lost. He lost more than he won when it came to the Ryder Cup. Um, even Rory took till two years ago to even yeah. say he cares about it. Like, it was it exactly. would go down in tears, and now I get it. Now I understand why it's so big. Like, so, so that's the way people have come down. And it, now, after what happened last year on the PGA Tour, where the people who stayed got fucking fucked, Right? How are they going to trust people? How are they going to trust the people they work for? Like, I mean, give me all the fucking money. I don't trust you. I don't right. trust your ass. Give final, me all the final money thing that I deserve now. We need uh, to get your take. One more take. We can move on from this. But your final thoughts before we go to the actual Sanderson. I knew this was going to go long. Sung Jm, Siwoo Kim, get the job done. Pick up the gold. Absolutely love to see it. Pumped for those guys. Excited for that. We'll see them. Full time as usual on the tour now. Definitely pumped about that. What were your thoughts? Yeah, them, to them winning the gold in '88. The team competition. Sung Jae ended up getting silver in the individual. They beat the second place team by 25 strokes. Uh, well, what is going to happen? I think now is you are going to see a lot more Korean male golfers in the next 15 to 20 years on the PGA Tour because. You know, as much as Koreans say it's a pride thing, it's a, a nationality, it's our home, we must serve, you know, blah, blah, blah. Nobody wants to fucking serve in the military for two years. Nobody fucking wants to do that shit uh, over there, right? And ruin their lives for two years. Like, no one really wants to do it. What this is going to do is, because the Koreans should dominate uh, the Asian games every, what, two to four years they play. Uh, they should win. Uh, there's really no other Asian countries out there that have... They might have two pros that are just as good or close to as good, but the AMs won't be, you know, and it's two pros and two AMs uh, on that team. So you're going to see an explosion of Korean golfers, male golfers in the game that are going to try and get good so they can get on the PGA Tour, so they can get a high enough ranking to play in the Asian games and not have to serve for their country. you got to put it all that work again. Back to put yeah. in work because the team's light. There's not going to be as many options and only so many can make it. So yep. Like you said, going to have to put in the work, and whoever gets there will get the chance. But I thought it was incredible. Uh, that was just an awesome story going on in the background on top of an already great Ryder Cup. Yep. All right, so I think that is enough. Hopefully, you guys skipped that if you didn't want to hear it because we do have timestamps. Just remember that. But let's get to this week, all right? So the PGA Tour heads to Mississippi for the Sanderson Farms Championship from the Country Club of Jackson. Uh, the, the Country Club of Jackson hosted the event eight times uh, and eight different winners used eight different varieties of game uh, to, to get the job done. I mean, Ryan Armour, one year, Malnati, one year, they plotted. 
their way through the course using less to driver on the majority of holes. Uh, you know, they both averaged less than 270 yards off the tee when they won. Uh, Nick Taylor, Cody Gribble, they hit driver off the tee more. Uh, Taylor averaged 295 off the tee. Gribble, 3-12 off the tee. Then came Cameron Champ and Munoz. They both bomb and gouged uh, their way through the course. Sergio one year with T to green mastery. Burns one year, T to green mastery. Hughes one year last year, iron game, putting, and short game. So, yeah. I mean, I basically, anybody with any type of game has a chance of winning this event. Makes it really difficult uh, for us gamblers and us DFSers. Uh, you know, the one thing that was fairly similar between the golfers was solid iron play. Uh, you know, only Gribble was outside the top 10 in greener regulation for the week of their win. Uh, also, five of the last eight winners were inside the top. I'm sorry, six. <laughs> six of the last eight winners were a top 20 in putts per greener regulation and were strong in stroke scheme putting. So what does this tell us? I mean, fucking not much, right? Basically, any type of golfer whose putter gets hot can win this event, which makes it more difficult to narrow down the playing field. And you can see that actually from the betting uh, lines. Like, this is the most I've ever seen, the most golfers I've ever seen 100 to 1 or less. It's basically half the field, maybe more, are 100 to 1 or less uh, in this. You know, uh, this course should be well suited for aggressive drivers since the roughest is short. Uh, and there aren't too many problems off the tee box. Now, hitting at 350 yards off the tee isn't going to help if the wedge game is poor, but distance off the tee could come in handy for the winner this week. Um, it's not out of the realm of possibility. The short hitter, again, I mean, like I said, armor, Malnati. Uh, the greens seem really easy to putt on. Um, so poor putters have fared well here before as well. Uh, five of the last eight winners here were maiden winners, and three of the last seven were tour rookies all right country cup of jacks 7450 yard par 72 with a traditional par four four par threes and four par fives are uh, the par fives not automatic birdie holes are uh, the birdie rate on the four par fives have been in the bottom 15 for courses on tour a couple of years here three of them are quite lengthy 584 590 615 and the par 5 11th 554 yards has a giant pond in front of the green, leading many to lay up on the second shot. Uh, now, with the length and talent of many young golfers today, some will go off on the par fives, but in my opinion, this is one of the rare courses with four par fives. Our score needs to come from the par fours. Seven and ten par fours are under 450 yards, including a drivable par four 15th hole. Golfers need to take advantage of these short par fours to contend. Two of the par threes on the course are over 200 yards, and the par will be good score on all the par threes. Now, off the tee, golfers will see slightly above average with tree-lined fairways with bunkers guarding landing zones. Uh, the trees aren't dense, so even if golfers, you know, hit it into the trees, it's possible that they'll still have a shot onto the green. Uh, there aren't too many dog legs, and the Bermuda Rough is only around two and a half inches tall. Now, <clears throat> Bermuda Rough can be hard to hit out, no matter the length. So hitting it in the fairway would be beneficial, but the course has a lot of shorter par force. So if golfers can hit it far off the tee, they can break out the wedge from the rough and make approaches easier from the rough. Also, scoring from the rough here has been exceptionally easy compared to other courses. As stated before, there will be a wide array of, cat of strategies from the tee box. Outside of the par fives, the course is short enough where we'll see some hitting less than driver. Uh, but since there aren't too many dog legs or dangers around the fairway, we're going to see a fair amount of golfers using the bottom gouge uh, technique as well um, on approach shots. Golfers will see above average size elevated greens with bunkers, water, and runoff areas guarding the putting surface. The greens have a bit of slope and undulation, and missing the greens will lead to tough up and downs from below the hole or from the greenside bunkers. The greens are Bermuda grass with a stick meter rating of around 12. Um, even if the weather is dry, the greens should still be receptive, as the course superintendent has been known to water the greens before each round. Tambo, what are you looking for in golfers this week? Uh, going to be looking more at the actual game theory, the roster construction, just based on We're going to get to it when we get to the tiers, but like we'll talk about Ludwig off the top, all that. The stats that I got up right now, mainly birdies are better, par five with the four, and then look at a little bit of the driving distance over time. The course history has not been a big factor. You go look at the top of this board, like literally 
in the first 30 to 40 guys, there's like, yeah, okay, Hughes won it last year. But beyond that, there's a couple second, third, and fifth places. After that, almost no repeating history. And then there's other factors to it as well. Like we'll talk about here in a second with Ludwig coming off that European win and all that at the Ryder Cup. So that's my focus for this week, Kenny. But I think it's going to be a pretty lazy week in that the ownership is going to get congested. It's tough. You know, I'm doing a lot of content during this season of PGA and NFL crossover at the same time. NFL is just obviously far and away always the busiest and what everybody's focused on. So it'll be limited for what's out there. We'll see how the content goes this week. But I think once we have ownership projections and all that based on Wednesday, we'll know where the field's at with, uh, you know, kind of roster construction. Because once you just take those highest stone guys, fit them into whatever the common lineup looks like, you'll be able to know what the field's doing and then be able to leverage against that. Sounds good, man. Let's get to these tiers. Let's start off in this 10K range. I think we got Grio all the way to Ludwig Oberg. Who are you liking this week? My top two, for sure. Um, you know, we'll, we'll talk about Ludwig because I know you always uh, you bring this stuff up, and it's good points from the fact that like obviously coming off that win and uh, over at the Ryder Cup, all that stuff and the travel and everything that goes with it. But I don't. If anything, what I think is Ludwig's going to be popular because he's under 11K. He's on this slate. People still want to play him. They know how good he is. They just saw it again in person at a Ryder Cup, just smashing guys. Like he's just doing fine, at least in the first half. But either way, my point being at 10-9. What I think is going to happen, Kenny, is his ownership is going to be held at bay. Meaning, if there was no Ryder Cup last week, and this just came in the way everything else happened, his win that he got and all that stuff, I think it would still come in where he's like 35 plus. Like, it's definitely possible at that price tag with everything you have that you can use here, the wild cards down the stretch, things that you can play, like guys that are, you know, take a shot on when we get to the bottom of the board, plenty of them. So what I think could happen is if people start looking at it like, yeah, but... I have other guys below him. Doug Gim looks good when we get to the 9K range, all these things. I think his ownership just gets held at bay, meaning it just doesn't get out of control. So you can still play him and get different elsewhere. I'm always going to play Steven Yeager. His stats actually look good. You go over the last 50 rounds, he's the best in the field. Tee to green, very solid par fives, drives it long enough, great off the tee, all the other stuff that you're looking at. Birdies are better. DK scoring, all that for 500 bucks less. I like him. But what's your thoughts on this upper 10K range? I mean, first off, I'll go with my first cash game cornerstone. It's Emiliano Grillo. Uh, you know, a guy who can hit a lot of fairways, hit a lot of greens, and his putting has gotten better. Um, you know, he's won, he's won multiple events. You get him a 10-1. I like him as my first cash game cornerstone. Uh, you might have talked me into Ober. Uh, you know, the, 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 the couple of narratives you can take from his uh, time at the Ryder Cup. He's been, he was there playing with the big boys. He's beating the big boys. He's coming here to an event with no big boys. He could have that confidence where I should be able to whoop all these motherfuckers' asses. Uh, that could be one way that he is thinking. Another prop, the one problem I have is it's not like he was been in Europe for like a week uh, and then came, you know, and came back. Like he'd come from the United States to Europe, back to the United States. And like it's, he's been in Europe for like five weeks. Um, you know, that, that, and he's not going back to the East Coast. He's going back to the West Coast. So that is what a nine hour difference um from where he is. Jet lag usually is worse the longer you stay at the time zone where you're not accustomed to. Uh and then when you get back, that shit hits you pretty fucking hard. Uh even though he's what, twenty four years old, uh twenty three years old. That that's that's a worry uh I have. Uh but I think you are a hundred percent correct. If he came through and he didn't play the Ryder Cup, and he won those. He won what the Czech event, and then and then came. You know, was in the lead going into the final round at you know the flagship DP World Tour event. Uh, you know, and then taking a week off, and then coming here, dude would be 40, 40, 40 plus percent off. There's no doubt in my mind. So you are sort of getting a little bit of a discount when it comes to that. Uh, maybe we'll see how the ownership plays out. I mean, people are the ownerships that I've seen have changed tremendously based on certain narratives and stuff like that in the last five years. It's been amazing. Uh, so maybe he does still get the ownership, but if he doesn't, uh, I think he's definitely worth that play. Uh, let's go down to the 9K range. Seaweed <laughs> Doug, Doug Gimp, $9,100, is my second cash game cornerstone. Played some really good golf towards the end of last year. Uh, I think he was pretty decent at the... Um, at the uh, Fortnite Championship, I don't remember. I think he was in my cash game cornerstones then too, uh, and it performed pretty well. 
Uh, so he's he, he's my cash game cornerstone play. I really like uh, SH Kim uh, for my favorite GPP play uh, this week. He's coming in. Uh, if I remember, I, I can't remember the course history, but just to see what his brothers did. What's up? Thirteenth last year. Yeah, he had a good finish last year. Good finish last time out uh, at the Fortnite too, if I remember. Uh, coming off a really nice finish, I think one of his top finishes of his career. Uh, if I in, in his last few events, uh, I, I like him a lot to try and go in and, and do better. He, you know, on par seventy-two courses in the last fifty rounds, he's fifth in drafting points in this field, uh, fourth in strokes gained par four, second in par four efficiency from four hundred to four hundred fifty yards. And I'll talk about this later with one of my other cash game cornerstones. But what this seems to me is like par seventy-two easy courses of the weak fields. Based on the numbers I've seen and how much different they are compared to when he's just, you know, not a par 72, just normal last 50 rounds. Uh, so there's a little bit of a bump up when it comes into him and he plays a par 72. Uh, so I like them. I'll play a little of the other two guys down below, Smalley and Svensson as well. But uh, Gim, Cascade, Cornerstone, SH Kim, or SH Kim, favorite GPP play, Tambo. Yeah, I like. Uh... SH Kim a lot. Like you said, a lot of the stuff goes with him too. Like that coming off that seconds, one thing, but T to green birdies are better. DK points off the T power fives, driving distance, all the stats that I want 13th here last year, second, last time out. I actually think you'll pick up some steam as the week goes on. So I kind of like the guys above and below him as well. Keith Mitchell, 9,900. He just pops for me on the other stuff where he's not in the 10 K range. He's only middle of the pack versus the others on those other stats. But when you look at his off the T his driving distance, very solid. So I'm going to take him, based off of that. And then uh, who's the other guy there I was going to mention? Uh, Bo Hostler, another guy I play a lot of 30th, 30th, 20th, 13th, and 6th in his last four. He's only played here twice, but it was a 10th and 57th. So, again, going and looking at the stats, solid par fives, top 20, top 20 DK scoring, top 20 T to green. Like, he's fine, and he's 9,200. He doesn't have to be your first guy into your lineups or anything. So I think Hostler is fine as well. Gim feels really safe based on the stats and everything else that you brought up, but that's why you're using them in cash. I think in tournaments, if him and SH Kim pop up as super popular, you could use guys like Mitchell and Hostler in between them. So I don't mind those guys in that 9K range. All right, so let's go to this uh, 8K range. I like Hubba Hubbard. Uh, again, he comes up actually first in my model when it comes to par 72s. Um, iron game, exceptionally strong. Par 4 scoring, very, very strong. Really good on par 5s. Um, shit, I might even think about betting him. Just looking at his numbers right now, I like him a lot. Um, I I might have him currently in my cash game line, in my cash line. We'll see if I go that route, uh, because that means I have to go down to 6,700 for my final player, and I don't know if I want to go down that low. So we'll see. That might change. Uh, but I do like Hubbard, um, and I'd like the guys um, sort of in the bottom of that list. Uh, Davis Thompson and Garrett Higo, uh, both they crush par fives. Really, really good par five scores. Uh, if I, you know, really, really strong off the tee, and, and Higo is just a birdie machine. Uh, so I do like those two guys uh, down there near the bottom. What do you like? Yeah, those two for sure were on my list. I was already marking them off as you were talking. So I've got those two. I don't mind Luke List right at 8,000 even. I actually bet him. Bear off talked me into betting him. He's actually fourth off the tee, seventh tee to green, 12th on driving distance, up there still in par five scoring. Really good across the board. It's just, you know, the price tag is only 8,000. He's below your average price. So I kind of like him. Ben Griffin popped a little for me at 8,400. And then one more guy I want to talk about. I know Hubbard will be popular, but uh, a, a guy who got the job done at the 2010 Asian Games, Kenny, that avoided his own military service before it, was, it went away and then came back where the, the pros could get into it. Uh, but KH Lee at 8,700. He, he interests me as well. Maybe a little inspiration for him. I actually like him quite a bit. 8,700. 14th uh, when he played at the Fortinet. So I don't know, 8,700. I've done worse. And then you go look up all his stats and everything. Well, he wanted to win twice. What did he win twice on a long par 72, right? Byron Nelson, right? Yeah. So, yeah, fifth in par five scoring, too, over the last 50, 24th overall, my model. Just nice middle of the road across the board at all these stats. So I actually think uh, he's pretty interesting. I'm going to look his betting number up while we're talking to a guy that actually wins golf tournaments. 7K range. My my uh, two last cash game cornerstones. First, it's going to be Sam Stevens. Uh, when you look at Sam Stevens' baseline in my in my model, uh, from regular uh, you know last fifty rounds 
to last 50 rounds on par 72s. He goes from like 40th to 10th in my model. Uh, you know, he, he goes from 40th to 1st in strokes gained par 4 scoring. He goes from 138th to 11th in par 4 efficiency from 400 to 450 yards. What that tells me is he enjoys playing easy par 72s uh, with weak fields, basically. is That's what I get from those differences in numbers compared, you know, when you compare them. So par 72, weak field, give me some Sam Stevens. Um, I bet him, I think, 55 to 1, which not the number I wanted. I was open 80, but whatever. Uh, I'll go ahead and take that. Um, he's my third Cascade cornerstone. Final Cascade cornerstone is Dylan Wu. You know, he's had a bunch of top 20s uh, in the last six months. Uh, number five in my model, second in birdies, a better game, third in drafting points, second in par five scoring. Uh, this is the last 50 rounds in this field. So my four Cascade cornerstones for this week are going to be Emiliano Grillo at 10,100, Doug Gim at 9,100, Sam Stevens at 7,700, and Dylan Wu at 7,600. This leaves you way more than $15,000 to create the rest of your lineup. Other guys that I like in this range, I'll go a little Batia in here. A third in my model, lots of birdies, lots of DK points. Really good from 125 to 150 and 150 to 175. You're going to have a shit ton of approaches from those two ranges. Uh, so I'll play, I'll play a little Batia uh, up on the end, plus top 15 in uh, par 5 score uh, in this field. Who do you like in this upper 7 game? Yeah, my thing just froze as I was going down and doing the uh, the update on the bottom, but I was going to say quickly while this loads, it's going to come back in a second, was uh, Cage Lee was 40 on my book. Do you have a number on him? Ah, uh, let me look. I think I'll bet that. I know it's there's gross numbers. If you bet, you know, bet Grillo at 25, I'm betting KH at 40. I, I like it. A little inspiration. I think, uh, well, you look it up. Batia, you mentioned him, but 7,900, he should pick up steam because that price just feels bad for how good we've seen him be and capable. So, um, Norin. Well, I mean, he, the last time we saw him, he won, right? That's so, what I'm saying. Like, at 7,900, it just feels like a bad price. Right. Did he win an event? Am I, am I getting people confused? No, no, no. He won in the playoff over uh, Patrick Rogers. What event was that? Was it, it was the Barbasol? The playoffs? Barbasol or the... Okay. okay. One of those okay. two, whatever the gotcha. one they run around that time, yeah. Yeah. All right, so we're looking at KH Lee's number. Well, it's pretty far down the list, which doesn't really mean much. Yeah, anybody's live at this thing for the most part, so... I mean, I know he's Especially not if you think the favorite comes in a little groggy or whatever, like you mentioned, so... Other other guys, will you pull it? Davis Riley, Sam Stevens. I'm with you on Wu, uh, Dylan, and then oh. Taron. I like and Nick Hardy at 7400. I always play a little Lipsky too, so those are kind of the guys that stand out for me there. Uh he's 40 to one in my book too. So uh, EVR, boomer bust, right? Like bust. the thing about it, you think he's going to be a bust? I mean, first I just, I just par, always say that that I'll win more first, times than not. Saying first bust. in par five scoring on par seventy twos in this field last fifty rounds, um, you know, top twenty in DraftKings points, top twenty five in iron play, top twenty in birdies are better, all on par seventy twos. Um, you know, in this field last fifty par seventy two rounds that these guys have played, I will throw a little bit um, on him. Bazinhut is a guy who I think. You know, is more talented than what his number, his price is at seventy three hundred. Again, another guy who, when you go par seventy two, based on just instead of the last fifty, his numbers uh, get a lot better. Uh, so that's another one to look at. Scott Stallings, a little bit of course history, probably the best course history uh, in this field, uh, but he hasn't been playing that great. Uh, but it's just about six months since he had a nice little heater uh, on tour. So. We'll see if he can get that back on track on a course that he obviously loves. Um, other than that, I mean, not too many when it gets down to the 7K range. Anybody else that you missing? Kevin Yu? Okay, yes. I do like Kevin Yu. Pops hard for me if you go look at, like, top 10 in T degree and birdies are better, DK scoring. Uh, top 10 off the tee, top 10 par fives, really good, still decent driving distance. Like, just everything looks good. Again, he may pick up steam. You got Buckley. Right there, Nick Hardy, my guy who I mentioned earlier, if you want to take a shot. Peter Quest, 
We saw some stuff out of last season. I think you go to a guy like him, Stallings for the history. Your guy, MJ Duffy, you always call him. He, he's there. He makes birdies in bunches. Vincent Whaley can make birdies. So this is really where you can get different. Like, there's none of these guys are going to get besides one or two of them. Maybe it's Kevin Yu who gets the love. But I'm saying the other guys are all going to come in at a mediocre ownership, and you can get really different down in this range without even having to touch the sixes if you don't want to. CSK Razor are someplace. I like I like the two bombers up top, Molinax and Duncan. Molinax actually comes second in my model on par seventy two scoring. Uh, you know, uh, you know, it's his length is par five scoring. Um, he's actually pretty good from one twenty five to one seventy five, at least on par seventy twos. Uh, you know, and and he's played what, and that's a fifty four rounds right there. Third in birdies are better gained, top ten in DraftKings points. I'll play Molinax. I'll play Tyler Duncan again. Another guy who likes to hit a long plays par fives well. Are really good from 400 or 450 feet. Uh, so I play him, Russell Knox. Um, you know, I think he, I think he played. He's been playing okay. I don't. I, I feel like his form has been better recently. But uh, let me double check on that. But I, I think I'm still going to use him just because of his iron play, uh, and it's always one of the best out there. Uh, let me check. Making the, cuts. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's, he's yeah. got decent history here. Yeah, 24th, 29th, the last two of his last eight cuts, you know, for a guy that's 6,800 bucks, you know, that's not horrible. Um, going down a little bit more, if you're going more course history, Norlander, I think he finished top five here last year and makes a whole bunch of cuts. Hasn't been playing very well recently, but, you know, you got to find something to play these guys. And this course history is pretty solid. And then the one surprise in my model, yeah, I I, I, re, I refreshed it like four or five times because I didn't believe what I was seeing. But Satoshi Kodaira is fourth in my mind on par 72 golf courses. Like in the refresh last 50 rounds. Again. What's up? Refresh again. I know, right? First in birdies a better gain. Tenth in DraftKings points. Eighth in par four scoring. Fifth from, one, from 125 to 150. Seventh from 150 to 175, 36 on par 5 scoring, all in this field in the last 50 par 72 rounds. I never would have thought it, but, you know, it spit it out, so I guess I'll bet him. 6,500? 60, yeah, 6,500, yeah. So weird. Because he, he just said, I get, he got 30th of the net, but before that, a bunch of missed cuts, a 36, like, I don't yeah. know. But like okay, on the last, if you just go in the last fifty rounds and not put in R seventy two, he's still twentieth. Yeah, he does pop up in the model on Fantasy National for sure. So have yeah. to dig in a little further. But yeah, it's like you said, you go maneuver it a little bit and find some stuff out there. I'll probably play guys more based on just you know long term or merit that I'll give them. Like Will Gordon can make birdies in bunches. Ryan Gerard showed us some stuff the last year or so that we've seen him out on the on the tour. Kevin Tway, my dad's guy. Always can play him, bombs it out there. That again, nothing really lately that I've seen or anything that I care about. Kevin Roy, uh, who's the other guy that I like down here? There was one more. Sky always gets me out. Shout out Sky Hook, new new dad. Always puts out the ownership for him. Awesome guy. So congrats to him. Uh, Kyle Westmoreland, he always puts me on this guy. So I think him at 6,200 is a guy I would take a shot on down here. I mean, doesn't he really hit it. the ball like 500 yards? Isn't he like I was confused it between like him and Brandon Matthews. Brandon Matthews definitely pounds it out there, but Kyle Westmoreland uh, driving distance is way up there. Yeah, so probably I just you know again just playing it based on raw talent and price. Other times we've played him has been success or had it. He made the cut here last year at his one try at it, so I can take a shot at sixty two hundred. You need a guy down there, you can go to him. Sounds good. Uh, betting card. I have three bets so far. Uh, I'll probably put some long shots in. Uh, in my final article on Gup's Corner. But I got Grio 25 to 1 with eight places each way. Um, Doug Kim 40 to 1, eight places each way. Sam Stevens 55 to 1, eight places each way. All right. I've got KH Lee just added at 40, which I will bet it after the show. But the ones I already bet List 50, Davis Riley 50, Taryn 50, and Kevin Yu 66. That was the four bets I had coming in. I just marked KH Lee because we looked at it on the show. I'll bet it as soon as we get off. So I added KH Lee at 40 to 1. Sounds good. Well, you can find me on Twitter at or X on at KendoVT. You can find my article on gupscorner.com. I'll probably release it uh, later this evening for the initial course preview, stats to look for, trends, 
Uh, and then uh, Wednesday, I'll put in my final betting card. Any changes to my cash game cornerstones? Uh, my fade of the week. Um, and my favorite GPP, my single favorite GPP play in each price range. So go to govscorner.com, use promo code Kenny, save yourself 30% on the membership. And you can find me on X, formerly known as Twitter, as we like to say now, at Totag and Tambo. Got the tidbits out for NFL right now, coming out every week free. They'll be out every Friday, as they usually are, doing a ton of different shows going on all right here on the Mail Media Network. We've got the Monday Night Football, Thursday Night Football, and then the Sunday, 9.45 a.m. Eastern with Hoop, Title, and myself for the Ship It Nation squad. We're all on there doing the show every Sunday live. You can ask your questions. Get in there. So check us out there. And then ShipItNation.com, the sponsor of the show, use promo code MAYO. M-A-Y-O gets 10% off anything except the trial. So you can use it over there. Get whatever plan you want. It locks it in. Get access. Get in the Discord. Hit me up when you're in there, and I'll give you a welcome. Get you set up. Anything you need or any questions you have, get you all dialed in. That's going to do it for me this week, Kenny. We're in the dredges of the fall swing, but it doesn't matter to us. We're still going to grind it out. We're still going to give you that information you need. Let's win some motherfucking money. DJ Nation.